Welcome to Scent 315. We're here to encourage and equip Christians to engage in the adventure of sharing Jesus with those that God puts into their life. And we're so glad you're here. Yay! Sarah, you're back from Hawaii. I am. It was amazing. I was thinking I was going to lose a bet because <laughs> I could just see from afar how much fun you were having. And yes. will we get Sarah back? Well, I came home because of the people. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, San Diego, coming home to that, my friend and I were talking about how thankful we are. We live in San Diego. And we're not going back to the middle of Kansas or somewhere mm. like that. No offense to people that live there. No, but we're big in Kansas. Going to Hawaii and then coming back to that would be really, really tough. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're going to move away, there are so many people you have to take with you. Yeah. But how are you, Kevin? You know what? I'm doing really, really well. I took a little bit of a vacation as well and got to hang out with my little incorrigibles that I (laughs) share about all the time, almost all 20 of them. I give my grandchildren words for the week. And for whatever reason, I gave my three-year-old, Fei-Fei, hi, the word calamity. (laughs) And my week had calamity. Oh, Mm. my goodness. But I'm just glad to be here in our safe place. And if you had stayed in Hawaii, it would be much more difficult for you to interact with our beautiful guest today. And I know you love her. So yes, we are so grateful to have our friend and someone who's mentored me in my life and been a huge blessing to me, Monica Hunter. Welcome to the show. Hello. Hello. We share a lot of love with the same people. That is very true. And some of that love is big from me towards you and Sarah, because you both are two of my favorite people. And I'm not exaggerating when I say that. This is another example of I'm not half the man that Marcus (laughs) thinking I am for sure. But anyway, all of this, I really do want to know how you came into relationship with Jesus. I don't know that story. All right. Well, I'm happy to tell it. I was raised Catholic and my parents were very devout Catholic. My dad's Italian and my mom's from Mexico. And usually that's what we are, you know, Catholics. And so I was raised going to church every Sunday. My parents were very moral people and um, very loving, good parents. They were very devout also. We celebrated even special holy days of obligation that, that you called them. I was christened and I went through confirmation. But my conversion story really starts at about 13. I was living overseas. My father worked for the military on a base and we were not a military family, so we lived off base, but we wanted to worship with the other Americans. So we went to the base chapel. It's one building and all the denominations worship there. There was a young life pastor that was sent to Germany to be a youth group leader for the chapel for all of the Christian kids. And one time we were on a ski retreat in the Alps. We had been skiing all day and it was dark out and we were marching along a mountain overlooking a beautiful, you know, lighted scene. And it was really cold. I was walking with him and I asked him how he ended up here. So he told me his testimony. He said, when I realized God was real and how much he loved me, I just wanted to scream it from the mountaintops. And he was screaming it on the mountaintop. <laughs> In the Alps. And I was kind of shocked. I had never observed somebody that was passionate for God. And I, I was foreign to me. I didn't know that could be a thing. He was literally screaming on the mountaintops. It made a very big impression on me. The next thing that happened about that time, and this was also youth group related, you know, as I'm talking, it's interesting. I've been I've been involved in youth ministry for over 20 years, and I just made the connection like, 
I was affected by youth ministry. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's like the day I discovered I was a bus kid. <laughs> so um, about that same time, there was a woman from our church that I didn't know, had never met. I don't believe she had kids in the youth group. And she had invited the kids in our youth group to come to her house. And so that was our event. She was very kind. And she had all of her chairs in a circle. She had baked some cookies and had some lemonade Kool-Aid. And she was making sure everyone had some. She looked really nervous to me. She was sweating because of how nervous she was. And I was thinking like, gosh, she went through great lengths to clean her house and to bake these cookies and to buy her paper plates and, you know, arrange her home to receive us. And she did a really short Bible study. And I don't even remember what she said, but I remember being struck, like, what would make this lady do this? Like, she doesn't even know us. And I've never met her before. And it, it again, struck me, like, that lady has passion for God. That really made an impression on me. And then another time I was at the Roman Catholic service at our chapel. And for some reason, this one time, they excused all the teenagers to go to the balcony and meet with someone. And so we go to the balcony and there's this lady who I never met before, some other lady. And she sat us down and she said, how many of you guys think that if you died today, you would go to heaven? And I think we all raised our hand. And she said, how do you know that? And I thought, uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> how do I know that? really couldn't give an answer. I had memorized lots of prayers and I believed in Jesus and the Bible, but I couldn't articulate how I knew that I was going to go to heaven. And she said, well, the Bible says that you can be saved if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. She shared the scripture with us and she said, how many of you guys would like to do that right now? And I remember thinking in my heart, I thought I was already on God's team. I had a love for him and a you no know, marginal, but an understanding of him. And I remember thinking, well, I'm going to do that now and I'm going to make it official. And so I did that. The last thing that happened, the fourth thing that happened before we end up coming to San Diego in the chapel, they'd have a lot of interdenominational kinds of things, like the youth group. This one time, a man invited everyone to a concert, and there was quite a few people there. And that same man stood up, introduced this young girl. He said that she had come to the chapel, and she invited herself to perform for us. I looked at her. She could have been in junior high. She looked very young. She had no makeup. She had long hair. She was dressed kind of like a hippie and she had a guitar and little glasses and I'll call her Helga. And so Helga starts speaking and I couldn't believe it, but she could barely speak English. And her accent was so heavy, it was hard to understand her. But I understood that she came and wrote a song for us and wanted to perform it for us. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, like this girl had to come to the base chapel where they have armed guards, introduce herself and ask to speak to somebody at the church and then get connected and, you know, just the bravery. Then she starts to sing this song, play her guitar, and I'm not exaggerating, it was as if she had just picked up the guitar a couple weeks ago, and she would stop in between chords to change them, and she was strumming really hard in broken English that it was so hard to understand. It was a song about Jesus, and as it turns out, she couldn't sing. <laughs> and I was just like in awe. I I was 13 years old and I couldn't believe what I was seeing and hearing. And I was thinking, what would make this girl do this? I was mystified and I just felt heard God say, passion. And I was like, oh, oh 
has passion for you, God. It was like, took my breath away, the revelation of it. And it was so beautiful. It was so winsome. It was, and she sounded terrible, but it was so beautiful what she was doing. In that moment when I realized what it was, I prayed to God and I was like, God, I want to have passion for you. Yeah. How can I have passion for you? Give me passion for you. Shortly after, we moved to the States and we ended up in San Diego, California. And so I was living here as a junior higher and we ended up going to Catholic church our family did and it was so dry and I really was hungry I wanted to learn and grow so when I was 16 I left the Catholic Church and I started going to an Assembly of God Church and they're a very good Bible believing church and uh, when I was 21 I was going to Faith Chapel here Mm. in La Mesa and so anyways that that's my testimony the thing that hits me with this Monica is the reason that those stories resonated with you is because that's who you are yeah two two parts for me at least Mm -hmm. one is that passion for Christ, it, it's just apparent. That love for him and you love his people, but it's driven by the love that he's put inside you. The other thing is, is that he's so gracious because you, my experience with you is that you've, you see the essence of people. You, know, you see that girl is just doing the very best you can. Instead of ridiculing her, you're a teenager, she's a teenager. We're not always so nice to each other when we're going <laughs> through that stuff. But you saw the essence and you got the point. Those people that impacted you and just nudged you along your path. That's what we're encouraging people who listen to our show to do. Be who you are. Do what you can. Write a song in German. (laughs) And everybody can do that. And passion and zeal for the Lord can make up for a lot of nerves and sweatiness. The Apostle Paul said, the love of God compels us. If we are not filled with God's love so that it controls and compels us, there's a breakdown in our Christianity and our relationship with Jesus. I dare say we're failing. We're failing at living the abundant life, communing with God the way Jesus modeled and wants us to live. We need to make some changes so that we can be those people and be filled with his love. How did that start for you? Because just like Kevin was saying, I saw that too. Even like the lady that brought all the teens into her home and cleaned her house and baked cookies. You are that person. You know, those who know you, we go to your house and we love being there. You just had my home group do a pool party at your house a few weeks ago. When did that kind of shift where you became that person that really shared God's love? When did you start making that connection? It was progressive. You know, as I grew in my faith, the more I was able to operate in my gifts. And I do have a gift of hospitality and encouragement. Affirmation is one of my gifts. And so the closer I grew to Jesus in my faith, the more evident that became in my life. Along the way, I began to understand more and more that stewardship is a critical component of our faith and that God expects us to be faithful. And somewhere along the line, as an adult, I made the connection that it included our influence with people and relationships. Mm. And it was like, oh, when I understood that, I became so much more intentional to love people and to pay attention to them. And I mean, the number one principle of evangelism, I would say, is love. We are all about love. It's the greatest commandment to love the Lord God with all of our heart, soul, our strength, and to love our neighbors, ourselves. We're supposed to love our enemies, and we're supposed to love like Jesus sacrificially, and God is love. And if our life is not marked by that, there's something wrong with us. There is 
something wrong with us. And love gives. And if we are not giving, we are not loving. Amy Carmichael, a famous missionary, said, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. And if we are not loving in our life, there is something wrong. When we meet people and people are in proximity to us, they should get something from us. They should get attention. They should get care. They should get compassion, wisdom, insight, validation, a chance, a big tip, you know, a monetary (laughs) gift, some clothes, a hug, a smile, something like love gives. And we should be naturally giving out all the time. Love is the most powerful thing. The gates of hell cannot prevail against the power of love. Love softens people's hearts. I read a good book years ago called The Conspiracy of Kindness. I think the mm-hmm. author's name is Kevin Sojourn. And it's really like kind of targeted towards ministry orientation. Servant evangelism yes. kind of thing. It's but the, good. Yes. But the premise of the book really made an impression on me. And it was just the simplest thing. And it was that every act of kindness softens people's hearts. Yeah. And when their hearts are soft, they're soft towards God too. And, you know, kindness is just like a fruit of the Spirit. When we are filled with the love of God, when we are communing with Him and we don't live in the flesh and we're living in the Spirit, God's fruits are evident. We naturally love people. We give compassion and kindness. We have peace and joy. We give that out. And people are drawn to that. It makes us winsome. It challenges their worldview of this world's a terrible place and I just have to look out for myself. And somebody's giving them love and kindness and has nothing to gain and it softens their heart. That is God's kingdom in us. We are hosting God's presence. And sometimes even without words, it engages them. And God is engaging their heart, engaging their mind. It makes them a ripe, fertile soil for God's truth. It's so compelling and irresistible. It really is. I see you doing that. So you're a a practitioner of what we're talking about. But has there been a time where somebody has been hard to love, that you've had some struggle and tapped into his love or you've had a breakthrough with it because this sounds wonderful and you do do it but there are people who are going yeah I'm not really feeling it and that (laughs) sounds really lovely for Monica but it's not me so have you had to struggle with it at times with of unlovely people could you have some help for people who aren't feeling it yeah well that's where you know the rubber meets the road and lovable people that's not hard (laughs) I mean come on (laughs) the Bible says you know anybody can love someone who's lovable that does how, how are we different we are different because we have supernatural love inside of us. We can have God's heart for someone who in the natural is very hard to love. And Jesus was very clear about loving our enemies. You don't have to be their best friend, but we have to love them because it is an action. We're obedient and God honors that. And he enables us by his spirit to do hard things that we would not be able to do on our own. So I was married for 17 years and my husband was um, living a double life and he had been unfaithful. And so I went through a divorce. There had been many women that he had been unfaithful with. One woman in particular was a woman that I had really been intentional to try and love on and to invite her to church and buy her presents and just, you know, evangelize and share my faith. And as it turns out, she had had an affair with my ex-husband. And so this had played out over years. And, you know, I didn't speak to her for a long time. I just didn't even have opportunity. And I forgave her. I forgave everyone because we don't have a choice because it's illegal not to. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm a law-abiding citizen of heaven. And so, um, 
years, maybe it was a year after my husband and I separated and everything had come out of his double life. It was very hurtful, some of the people that I knew, and she was one of them, especially someone that I had tried so hard to love. And she called me and she she said, I'm sorry that it's taken me so long to call you. Um, I'm so sorry. I want to apologize for what I did. You didn't deserve it. I'm a horrible person. And, you know, you don't understand. You probably can't understand how someone like me thinks. And she told me what happened. And, and it's like naturally, you know, that's your heart wouldn't naturally be pulled to someone like that. But my heart was so... <laughs> my heart was so pulled towards her and I felt God's love and compassion on her and I told her that I forgived her and I that I appreciated her apologizing and that what had happened was exactly why Jesus had gone to the cross for just that thing and that there was forgiveness in Jesus you know and I just use it as an opportunity to point her to Jesus and I truly felt his love and compassion because I stayed connected to him and he gave me his love and his compassion for her. And I saw her with his eyes. My heart was literally, even now to this day, like I love this woman and I want nothing but good for her. That is the power of God. Yeah. That is the love of God in us. And if we give ourselves over to him, it is just the most powerful thing. And he leads us and he guides us. He gives us words of life for people. He shows us how to love them the way they need to be loved because everyone's different. And the smallest thing to someone could be the hugest thing. You know, if we're led by the spirit and it's the thing they needed, that small thing or that small thing they needed to hear. Thanks for sharing that. It's a, it's a huge one. And there are people that are in that place that need to hear that and that it isn't always happy, pappy. You know, this is just how she's made. But that God, when we run out, he will give us his love for that person. Yeah. Thank you for your vulnerability and sharing that. I'd love for you just to share some of that practical how you stayed connected because yeah. you have been through so much and a lot of pain and hurt there but you always ground yourself in the Lord and I think that really ministers to people and I know you've used that to minister to people what are some of those insights there because you have moments where you're upset and you don't get why certain things have happened and all these things so how have you tapped into the Lord's love and gotten back to that place? Well uh, one thing is that for me I've made Made a decision in my life that I will not be feelings oriented, that I'm going to be command oriented from the Word of God. And so the Word of God is the highest authority in my life. It is God's word to me. So whatever he says, I believe and I will conform to. And so it doesn't really matter how I feel. It doesn't matter what anyone says. It doesn't matter what I think outside of what he says. That is the bottom line. And I will bend my thoughts and my feelings to conform to his word. He tells us who he is. He is good. He is righteous. He is just. He is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. He is faithful. And if we understand who God is, then we can take anything. We can deal with anything because we know that he's going to work it for good. Romans 8.28 is one of my favorite scriptures all 
things. All things work together for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purposes. And it applies every time, anytime, all the time. I can stay connected to God and I can trust him and I can feel loved and cared for in spite of how difficult my circumstance is or how challenging or how painful. When we stay connected to him, he buffers hard things. And so as one of just the code I live by is that the word of God is my highest authority. God is real. He loves me. He's faithful. He's good. He's powerful. He's kind. He's just. So I can trust him to take care of the things that I don't have any power over and to empower me to rise above my circumstances. I think that's a mistake a lot of people make is being swayed by their feelings because their feelings are so powerful, but they can mislead us and they're not based on truth so often. And the other thing is in my life, I've built in creating a faith nurturing environment so that God is on my mind all the time. I love to read, but I'm limited in my time to read. I love to listen to podcasts and sermons and interviews and post scriptures and do things and put things around me and arrange my life so that my faith is nurtured and he's on my mind. You know, whether it's my devotions, even some of my friendships and my conversations, all of those things help me to stay connected to him. And when I'm connected to him, I'm good. If I'm not connected to him, I'm not good. And I may, and I may not realize it, but I'm vulnerable. If I'm in the flesh, like we may not be, you know, we're Christian people. We've been Christian a long time. We may not be overtly sinning, doing bad things, but if we're in the flesh, we are vulnerable. That is where Satan manipulates us. And so the other thing is really wanting and choosing to have a pure heart. Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. When you have a pure heart, you just can see God everywhere Mm -hmm. in everything. Mm -hmm. And, And as far as evangelism goes, like I see God in people and I see his hand working in their lives it's so obvious and so I'm it's easy to speak those things out one thing I've learned just along the way is that and this is part of like giving giving compliments and validation is you know when I see godliness in people who may not even know him mm-hmm. when I see like excellence and virtuous qualities of loyalty and you know integrity and kindness to validate that and it somehow has an effect of helping them line up with the culture of heaven it's a powerful event evangelistic tool that we have, you know, for unbelievers. I I love how you said uh, stewardship of influence because you've mentored a lot of people. Taking that step to mentor or invest in or encourage other people has a multiplier effect what we're trying to do, right? How could you help someone step into that mentoring position or that equipping and encouraging position? Along the lines of what I just said, when when we are living in the spirit and we have pure hearts, it's easy to see. Okay. You can see the need. You can see that you have influence. It's something I picked up from one of my pastors, Mark Hoffman, years ago when I was working for him, is that I always pay attention to the way people respond to me. When people respond favorably to to me, I can tell I have influence with them. And if I have influence with them, I will make time for them and be intentional with my influence whether it's just when I happen to see them, if I see them, you know, on some kind of ongoing basis, um, whether it's, you know, some phone calls or an occasional meeting, I will make time for the people that I have influence with. Sometimes I hear people say like, well, I don't know very much, or why would anyone be interested in what in me or what I have to offer? Everybody has something to offer. Everybody has something to offer. We have our life experience and our understandings and our gifts and talents. God's just asking you to give what you have. You have insight. You have incredible encouragement. You have life experience. He's not asking you to give anything more than what you have. And 
everyone has something and God wants to flow his love and encouragement through us to in the body of Christ and to people who don't know him you know it's just as easy as just speaking it out to that person when you see him in a day with modern technology shooting a text or messaging someone leaving a message with a phone call asking to meet for coffee or go for a walk it doesn't have to be a regular ongoing thing it can be an occasional thing and and to just have a great conversation and and when the holy spirit's there stuff happens like he yeah. He gives. He gives through us. He encourages. He validates. He gives wisdom and guidance and understanding. And it's just good stuff happens when we're living in the Spirit and we make ourselves available. And if we're not doing that, there's something wrong. And we need to make an adjustment and we need to change. And I've heard people say, well, that's just not my personality. I'm just not like that. Well, it's really a character issue, not a personality issue. <laughs> and character is a choice. And we know that what God is trying to accomplish in us and to make us more like him, we just have to decide to do it. Yeah. yeah. About the personality thing. Because this might not come through, but you're actually more introverted, naturally. You like to have your rest time and your space time. True. And yet most people would think that you're an extrovert, but it's not like your natural form. I think the phrase that comes to mind with you is that you make the most of every opportunity because you're connected to God and because you're looking for what he's doing. I love where we're going with this with the influence with people. Could you expand on what that looks like when you see there's some type of favor or influence happening with someone? Let's use like the grocery store or something because I know you give compliments and do that there too, not just in reoccurring circumstances. Could you expand on what that looks like? Yeah, well, well one thing is that I, I really think most of us naturally do. We frequent the same places. You go to the same restaurants, the same coffee shops. And so I see a lot of the same people. Here's one thing that's really important. It's to be present. If we are self-absorbed and thinking about something else, we're going to miss out on the opportunity in front of us. And so being present is really important in flowing God's love. When we're present, we make good eye contact. We give attention to the person, you know, their mood, um, how they're dressed, just everything. And things just stick out to me. And I, I think they stick out because God shows them to me. When I notice them, I speak them out whether it's the way they're carrying themselves or the way they're dressed or the way they're serving, how busy they are and how eager they are to serve people, to just speak out those things that jump out to me that are positive. Or even if someone, it seems frustrated and gosh, you seem really, this must be real, like a customer one time, this happened a couple weeks ago, there was uh, a customer and he was actually nasty and he was yelling at this woman and this isn't a huge evangelistic thing, but it could be because I frequent this place and so he walked away and I looked at her and I said, you're doing a great job. Don't let him ruin your day. There's something wrong with him. And she was like, thank you. Aww. You know, and it's like. I'm going to see you again. It's literally yeah. down the street from my house. And, you know, just those little things, making connections with people, encouraging them and validating them. It means something to yeah. them. It really, really does. I've lived for years in my same neighborhood, and there's this restaurant that I often would order from for youth events, you know, at my house and parties. And I've always been very kind and, you know, friendly to the, the owner. One time I was walking by in the morning. He wasn't open, but his door was open, and the owner was working in there, and I, I was walking by and I poked my head in and I said, hello, I could not walk by without saying hello to you and seeing how you're doing. And he came over and he hugged me and he said, 
you know, I've known you for a long time. Every time I see you, you are always happy. You are always smiling. And I said, thank you. I said, you know, I don't know that you know this, but several years ago, I went through a terrible divorce and my family broke up. It was very painful. And you know, in spite of that, my story, my testimony is that God is good. He is so good. He is generous and he is kind. And he looked at me and he said, you're right. <laughs> and he put his arms out and he said, my hair is standing yeah. on the ends of my skin. He said, you're right. And we've had other conversations since then. One time he told my friend, this girl is the best person I know. And I was like, we're just acquaintances. How can you say that, you know? And so my point is, you know, being present with people and just noticing them and taking the time. It's like, it's free what we can give. Yeah. Love is free and it's so powerful to affect people's hearts and minds and to scoot them closer to Jesus. And that is what evangelism is because yep. it's not common to like lead people in a salvation prayer. Like that's so great when that happens. I love when that happens. But really evangelism is sharing Jesus with people, sharing the love of God and scooting them closer to him as an encourager. I encourage people in their faith and people who don't know him, I'm encouraging them towards yeah. Jesus, even if it's just a little scoot closer. Man, oh man, it's so good and, and so doable if we just remember how good God is. That's got to spill out of you. You can't contain that goodness. It gets shouted from the Alps mountaintops <laughs> to the dry cleaner, and it's all about connecting with him. And It's so true. A couple of things regarding sharing with people and being present is it's really important to be transparent. And I feel like that's a Christian virtue to be transparent. And I think it's really beautiful. And when we're transparent, it makes people feel like they can be transparent too. And it makes people feel like they're special, like you are bringing them into your confidence to share things about your life. I've heard often people say like, oh, I'm, I'm looking for ways to share my faith or I'm, I'm praying about sharing my faith with someone. I feel like if you are living your life in the spirit, it is natural to share your faith. Mm -hmm. Jesus said, come follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. And so again, if we're not doing that, there's a breakdown somewhere. So for me, sharing my faith is natural. What is unnatural is not sharing my faith. It would be unnatural to not say, what are the obvious things that God just sets up all the time as I just talk to people and love them and are open and transparent about my life. They ask me questions. I can see when I have influence. I know that I can be bold when somebody is interested in me and they like me and I have favor with them. I want to be a good steward of my influence and yeah. I will be bold. I love telling people about Jesus or about my own life that I'm so grateful. God's blessed me so much. God's so good to me. Like, what can anyone say yeah. against that? You know, that is yeah. my testimony. It's the power of our testimony. It's so important that it really does just come naturally when it's your lifestyle, when it's who you are, because you start chatting with someone and getting to know someone a little bit and God's going to come out like you just can't help it. It's honestly, like you said, it's more unnatural if you hold that back. And I know in moments when I've been in that position, it feels weird because you're not truly telling this person who you are. And when you just let it out, even if they're not there with God, they can recognize that that's genuinely a part of who you are. And there's still something that they see. There's a connection there that they realize, oh, you're being you when you're around them. We're contagious. And we're contagious with whatever thing we got, whatever dis-ease mm. we have. And so if we're contagious with this relationship with God and this natural love for him and his love for other people, then that's that we're going to pass along. You said it 
several times. If you're not filled with that love, it's not because God doesn't love you and it isn't coming your way. It's because there's a disconnect there and he hasn't disconnected from us as Christians. Mm -hmm. So if we're contagious with discouragement, being rude and all the things that are not the gifts of the spirit, the fruit of the spirit, the character of Jesus, then there is a disconnect there and we just simply need to repent. For example, you said, I will make you fishers of men. That didn't mean all I have to stir it up and figure it out and get all strategic and everything. That Jesus wants you to share his love with them more than you want to, no matter how much you do or don't want to. So it really comes back to that, you know, fall in love with Jesus and then do whatever he says. Yep, those who love me obey my commandments. If you don't have a heart to do it, you are out of God's will bottom lining it like that can be helpful for a lot of people to jump into God's will. That's heavy, that's strong, that's black and white, but that's exactly what the Bible says. Yeah. And I think too, though, I want to acknowledge that, you know, we all have off days Mm -hmm. where we're in our headspace a little bit and we're a little upset. But when you are connected to the Holy Spirit and he kind of is like, hey, you know, you're getting a little... rude you're getting a little impatient in the grocery store and things and you just take that moment to think and remember oh I'm not the only person in the world and there's these other people who are going through the same stress that I am waiting in line at Walmart too long or whatever you take that moment and you switch back to remembering that God is with you, that everything's yeah. okay. Yes. It's not a big deal. You can start being that light again, even if you're not feeling the greatest. <laughs> no, I was at That's Home true. Depot, your exact example. I was at Home Depot and you know, the lines are long and they don't move all that quick sometimes and everything. And I see this sign and it said Employee Appreciation Month. And so I got to the front of the line and I had stuff that I couldn't self-check. And so I asked the checker, I said, uh, do you feel appreciated? And she looked at me so strange. She goes, no. And I went, <laughs> Well, I appreciate you. I am so glad you were here. I could not have done this without you. Well, I got home and found out I'd bought all the wrong stuff. None of it would work. It's a long story. But I went back and she goes, wait a minute. Didn't I just sell you this stuff? And I started laughing. I said, yeah, and I absolutely appreciate you. So in that frequency and getting mm-hmm. to see somebody else again, and you can change the tone of where you're at, but you've got to understand you can only change the tone in a good way if you're being intentional and you're really saying, Lord, I need you. I got all the wrong stuff. That is so true. If we are living the abundant life that Jesus came to give us, our lives are so attractive. It takes people off guard and commands attention. Honestly, people say things like, what is your secret? And I want to be like you. God just sets us up all the time. He makes it really easy for us. I feel like we just need to close in prayer and really release the spirit of what we've been discussing and and trying to walk in so that the people that are listening can pick that up and have the kind of breakthrough that they really do in their heart want. Monica, would you pray for us? Yes, I would love to. Lord, we love you so much. We are so grateful to be your children. Lord, thank you for Kevin and Sarah and this podcast and for all the people listening out there. And I pray, Lord, that you would fill them with your spirit, that you would give them wisdom and understanding, and that you would fill them with passion for you and that you would help them to see the people around them with your eyes and have your heart, and that you'd give them courage and boldness to love others the way you have called us to love them, to affect great change in their lives and push back the forces of evil and advance your kingdom, God, so that Mm -hmm. we can be 
bright lights in the dark world and illuminate this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you, Monica. My takeaways is just to encourage people to understand and enter into the fact that they are sent stewards with influence.